It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 20th, 2020. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're continuing our what if, it's been a fairly informal what if week here uh, at Locked On Magic, but we're doing some what-ifs around the Locked On Podcast Network, so we'll ponder one that came into the news just a little while ago. We'll talk about that coming up in just a minute, plus we'll kind of recap the 2009 Orlando Magic's first-round series with the Philadelphia 76ers as replays of the 2009 playoff run continues on Fox Sports Florida. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast, you're covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail. This podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. This week on Fox Sports Florida, they're re-airing the Orlando Magic's 2009 playoff series with the Boston Celtics. While Lockdown Celtics may not be talking about that, you can go ahead and listen to them and get a Celtics perspective on whatever's going on in the Boston Celtics world by checking out Locked On Celtics. You can also check out Locked On Sixers, Locked On Cavs, Locked On Lakers. Pretty much every team in the NBA has a Locked On podcast. Plus, we've got NFL, MLB, college, and NHL podcasts too. No matter what sport you're looking for, no matter which team you want to hear about, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. So as I said here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we've been trying to ponder what-ifs uh, as, as we're trying to kind of kill time and 
and and plan our our lives out here before the NBA season hopefully resumes at some point. Uh, and and you know we I've been doing it in a haphazard way. Of course, you know I've kind of hit a few of these over the course of the hiatus. Um, if you want to go back and listen to it, we've got our unanswerable questions from the Magic Bulls series in 1995. I was, did that, I believe, two weeks ago um, uh, on, on, a, on a Monday, I want to say. Um, last week, I did a what-if pondering whether the mag- how the Magic would match up with the 1996 Seattle Supersonics if the Chicago Bulls weren't there, which, which, which would have been nice. In other, in other words, we've thought a little bit about Magic history and, and the sliding doors and divergent roads that Magic history has gone on. And, and there are several throughout the course of Magic history. One has always seemed to stick in everyone's crawl, though. One seemed, as much as any other, and a lot of Magic what-ifs have to do with stuff the Magic did to themselves, I, I do have to say, this one felt like it was one that the Magic really messed up, with something that seemed so small for a cost that was so big. Most fans love the 1999-2000 team, the heart and hustle team, but that was always meant to be a one-off thing. That was the Magic clearing the decks, clearing the cap room to go after the big fish in the summer of 2000, and it's not entirely clear whether the Magic could have gotten two or three, or all three of these players, but for the sake of this story and, and the sake of my memory, the Magic had a chance to get the three biggest free agents on the market in 2000. All-NBA player and all-star Grant Hill, who was very clearly leaving Detroit. Um, some definitely upset with the Pistons at that time. Up-and-coming superstar Tracy McGrady, who has said, at least in retrospect, he was going to Orlando. I was actually watching Inside the Magic after the Magic's, after the replay of the Magic's game uh, against the Boston Celtics game one of the 2009 Eastern Conference semifinals. And Dennis Scott's interviewing Tracy McGrady, and McGrady said he went up to Doc Rivers after a game in Toronto and said, be ready, I'm coming to Orlando this summer. Tracy McGrady wanted to come home. And that seemed to be a slam dunk, pun intended, that McGrady would be in a Magic uniform. But the third fish was perhaps the biggest fish of all. And that was Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan, of course, perhaps the greatest power forward in league history. Perhaps the most, you know, most enigmatic superstar. No flash, all straight-laced winning, it seemed like. Seemed like a perfect fit for the Spurs. And in fact, really, the Spurs at this point are synonymous with Tim Duncan, the whole persona and everything about him. He is the San Antonio Spurs. He is everything about that dynasty, winning championships and not just 1999, of course, but in 2003 and 2005 and 2007 and then finally in 2014. Tim Duncan is one of the most celebrated and beloved players in NBA history, even if most people probably didn't notice him all the time. Didn't very rarely showed emotion. It was just a cerebral assassin on the court. But Tim Duncan was not one to give up a chance at free agency. And in the summer of 2000, he very seriously considered joining the Orlando Magic. In fact, according to pretty much everyone who was involved in his recruitment, 
whether it was Doc Rivers, whether it was General Manager John Gabriel, whether it was Grant Hill, they all said Tim Duncan was coming to Orlando. They all said the Magic had him. But, and it's that but that is the center of so much controversy in Orlando Magic history. Yes, the Magic were able to wine and dine Tim Duncan. The, the report go, the rumor was that they had him come to Alworth, which if you don't live in the Orlando area, Alworth is a, a major golf and country club uh, outside of Orlando, in the, in the outskirts of Orlando. It's where Shaq lived. Penny lived there for a little while. Ken Griffey Jr. lived there for a little while. And perhaps its most famous resident was Tiger Woods. Tim Duncan arrived at Alworth for a big dinner. And they took him out to the driving range where Tiger Woods was hitting golf balls. This is Tiger Woods in 2000, right when he's in the middle of his Tiger Slam. At the height of his power. Pretty impressive stuff. But that, according to all the stories, is about the only thing that went right. You see, the Magic put out cold cuts for him for lunch at the RDV Sportsplex. And his agent said, no, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Then, of course, there was perhaps the most controversial move. According to all the stories and all the reporting, Doc Rivers told Tim Duncan pretty flatly that family were not allowed to travel on the team plane. And this became a sticking point. So that when Duncan returned home, had one final meeting with Greg Popovich and David Robinson, who allegedly... cut his vacation short in Hawaii to save the Spurs and bring Tim Duncan home, that this was a deciding factor, that the Spurs would allow Duncan to bring his wife and his, and his family on the plane, on the team charter, and the Magic and Doc would not. Well, personally, I never bought that story. Personally, I think it was David Robinson and Greg Popovich cornering Duncan in a room in the same way that the Clippers cornered DeAndre Jordan. Well, not the same way, but the Spurs got the last word. And I think David Robinson and Greg Popovich obviously have a very deep relationship with David Robinson and what they said ultimately resonated with them. And I do think it was that, that conversation and that discussion that ultimately had Tim Duncan choosing the Spurs over the Magic. Doc Rivers seemed to confirm this. But it's probably not going to make Magic fans feel any better. On the NBA Together show with Ernie Johnson, which will be airing throughout the week on NBA TV, you can also find it on YouTube as well as other social media channels, Ernie Johnson asked Doc Rivers about getting Tim Duncan. And Doc said, you know, the whole family thing was very misreported in his opinion. He said that there would be times that, yes, family would be allowed on on team charters. In fact, Doc Rivers, when he was with the Boston Celtics, would allow family on team charters. Whenever the Celtics played the Magic in Orlando on Christmas, families went on the charter. They spent a couple days at Disney. And whenever Doc's in town, he always spends a couple days at, at the golf course as well. But that's neither here nor there. No, Doc said that That was not what ultimately led Tim Duncan to leave. Well, or not to sign with Orlando. Doc Doc told a really really fantastic story that during the lockout, 
Doc Rivers essentially was coaching all the Spurs players and working out with all the Spurs players, and that's where he built a really strong relationship with Duncan. That very well could have sent him to Orlando. But Doc admitted his mistake. His mistake was he let Duncan leave. Rivers said that he called up John Calipari as well as some other college coaches to get some tips on recruiting and was talking to one of them. He thought it was Calipari, but wasn't 100% sure. He was talking to one of them and said, you know, I think we got him. He just wants to go home, you know, give the Spurs one last meeting, and then it'll be done. The college coach knew then that it was over. The one rule of recruiting, especially high-level talent, is you don't let them leave without signing. And indeed, that proved to be prescient. Like I said, I do believe that it was David Robinson and Tim and Greg Popovich that convinced Tim Duncan to stay in San Antonio, and it was nothing else. If those two weren't present, if those two hadn't made that last plea, Tim Duncan would have been a magic player, and who knows how that would have turned out. And frankly, who does know how that would have turned out? I remember at the time that the Magic did believe they had, had enough cap room to sign all three, and in fact... They agreed to sign in, agreed to sign in trades to try and get those two players extra money after it was clear that they weren't going to be able to sign Duncan. There's some reporting that while McGrady was a sure thing, he would have been the guy that would not they would not have signed if they could only sign two. There's also reporting that Grant Hill would not have signed with the Magic, and I believe would have signed with Phoenix, who he would eventually play for after he was after his seven years with the Magic. Um if the Magic did not agree to a sign-and-trade deal to get him a little bit more money, that that he wanted the extra money that he could only get in a sign-and-trade deal at that time. And of course, that Grant Hill trade had the Magic sending Ben Wallace to Detroit, laying the seeds for their championship in 2004. So many sliding doors. Who knows how that would have turned out if it was Duncan and Hill. Hill, of course, was injured, was on crutches when he came to Orlando, nursing an ankle injury that he suffered during the playoffs that season. He was never right in Orlando, trying so desperately to play that it nearly killed him. He never could get his body to cooperate with him in his seven years, really until his fifth and sixth year with the team. But by then, Tracy McGrady had blossomed into an all-star and it already forced his way out because the Magic just could not get around Grant Hill's big contract sitting on the bench. It's a frustrating time. It was a great time in a lot of ways because McGrady was an absolute joy to watch. But it was a frustrating time nonetheless for Magic fans and for the Magic as an organization. Would Duncan have been able to carry the team further than McGrady? Would the Magic have had a clearer vision of how they needed to surround Duncan and to find those quality role players and draft a little bit better as they constantly searched for a center. Drafting Curtis Borchard and Stephen Hunter and signing Andrew DeClerc and cycling through all those centers that just you know, Andrew DeClerc worked hard. Love the guy. Pat Burke worked hard. Love the guy. Johnny Meachie, nicest guy in the world. Worked hard. Played well. Magic tried Sean Kemp and Patrick Ewing for a year at center. None of that would have happened if the Magic had Tim Duncan back there. 
and maybe things would have turned out differently. Maybe the things would have turned out better. Maybe Grant Hill would have been able to take his time coming back. I don't think that would necessarily have been the case because Hill pushed his way back sooner than he needed to a lot in that time. It's hard to say exactly what magic would have been like or if it would have just been exactly the same as it was. But that's the what if. That's the thing we will never know. And perhaps it was, once again, the Magic's poor decision-making. Once once again, perhaps, the Magic's, frankly, naivete and inexperience as a franchise and as an organization that cost them a generational talent once again. We will never know what Tim Duncan would have looked like in an Orlando Magic uniform. When you're done working out, you know you gotta kind of replenish your body and, and get it get itself kind of back to normal and, and, and kind of boost your workout in any way. And, and protein is good for that. And and but so many of those protein bars are just really nasty and disgusting. I mean, I I I am not the biggest protein bar guy, but finding a good tasting protein bar that's low calorie, that isn't just a meal replacement, is so tough. But luckily, there's Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight chocolate and nut flavors. Eight chocolate and nut-free flavors. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are healthy. They are great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Check out the Peanut Butter Brownie Bar. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, just 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. That sounds like a delicious, delicious treat and workout supplement as well as a healthy one too. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, Magic Classics continue on Fox Sports Florida as they're continuing to go through the 2009 playoffs. So, last week, uh, Fox Sports Florida continued their Magic Classics, showing classic Magic games by showing the first round of the 2009 playoffs games to 
4, 5, and 6 against the Philadelphia 76ers. Tuesday, they started off with Game 1 of the 2009 Eastern Conference Semifinals between the Orlando Magic and the Boston Celtics. It's been really fun going back and and reliving and watching some of these historic games. Of course, Monday, as some of you may note, was the 25th anniversary of the Orlando Magic defeating the Chicago Bulls in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, Eastern Conference semifinals. You can go back into our archives. I talked extensively about that series. We rewatched Game 1 when it was aired on Fox Sports Florida. Um, I did sort of a rewatchables on it, as well as did some unanswerable questions. So a lot of stuff on that 1995 playoff series. I encourage you to go back into our archives wherever you download podcasts uh, to see a little bit, to learn a little bit more and hear a little bit more recapping that series. Really fascinating series, and frankly, uh, The Last Dance didn't quite do it justice, in my opinion. But nevertheless, we continue on looking over some of the hi- some of the history of the Orlando Magic, something that I'm personally interested in. And while I am trying to strike a good balance here between uh, between historical content and kind of long-form thinking uh, that we would normally do during the offseason, as well as kind of focusing on this year's team and things moving forward, I am trying to strike that balance. I am cognizant of it. Um, I don't want to go full offseason mode because I do expect the season to resume. Um and so we'll get into the draft. We'll get into some of that stuff as, as, as it begins to come up again. And again, I, I will try to make sure that I address it here. But for now, you know, I've put a lot of my focus on the history and, and rewatching some of these games and just reliving some of these moments. And, you know, it, it, it's been such a long time since I watched much of the 1995 team. Um, you know, I've watched games here and there. I was six during that season, so not really basketball conscious. Um, and it was, it was fun watching that series over again. Um, you know, that that team very much helped form my kind of fanaticism about the Orlando Magic and, and was an absolute joy to watch as a kid just because winning is fun. But the 2009 team is a much different animal. You know, I, I was in college for the 2009 team. You know, I wasn't as connected. I watched as many games as I could. I, I went to school in Chicago. Uh, and so I, I watched as much of that team as I could. I listened to a lot of games on the radio, on, on NBA Audio League Pass, which was free at the time. Um, and going along for that ride in the playoffs was was amazing. Um, I would say, walk. I walked. I was able to go to Game 4. I flew back home for my cousin's bar mitzvah. Missed Game 3 because of Friday night dinner. But Sunday night, I was able to go to Game 4 of that series. And... I, I, I remember walking into the Amway Arena at the time thinking I completely forgot how intense second round playoff games are. And really just re-watching all these playoff games and how crazy the end ends are and how intense everyone is playing. It, it's it's easy to forget that intensity. It's easy to forget how everything is always in, in balance and how no game is really ever over. In game one of that 2009 series, Orlando took a 26-point lead and saw it cut all the way down to five. The Celtics did not stop. Actually, they cut it to three, I believe, uh, in the dying seconds before J.J. Redick iced the game and made it a five-point five point margin of victory. Those games were intense. I remember that series being very, very intense. But re-watching, you know, but, you know, even the games that you watched, even teams that you watched and followed closely and have very strong memories of and, and understanding of, you forget things. Narratives tend to take root. Uh, narratives tend to 
kind of guide how you view teams. And, you know, the 2009 team is viewed with, and rightfully so, a certain amount of reverence in Magic history. It is a team that made the finals, won a game in the finals, and as everyone who was there would tell you, really had a chance to win. That was a very real chance of winning the title. Maybe not, maybe they weren't the favorite like they were in 95, but a very real chance to win. And it is still some manner for debate whether the 2010 team was better than the 2019 team, at least in the eyes of fans. Because that 2009 team was just so full of joy and, and surprise. But what I think a lot of people forget about that 2009 team specifically, and honestly something that I probably forgot and didn't take full cognizance of, is how much struggle they went through throughout that whole journey. Not just Jameer Nelson's injury that knocked him out in February, but that whole playoff journey was a constant test of the Magic's will. It was a constant test of whether this team would bounce back, whether this odd style that relied so heavily on three-point shooting could survive the test of the playoffs. When everything changes and everything slows down and it's about so much more than just a, a good system. It's, got, it's a system that has to create constantly. And the one thing that I think most of us forget is... Unlike 1995, and, and really unlike 2010, where the Magic were expected to go back to the finals and expected to go very, very deep in the playoffs, the 2009 Magic didn't have the same expectation. The 2009 Magic were nearly killed in the crib during that NBA playoffs. Yes, we know that Hito Turkoglu hit the game-winning shot in Game 4 of that series, and, and that really broke things open, but... That series against the Philadelphia 76ers, even, even early on, even in the Magic's wins, was a clear struggle. Shots weren't falling. Dwight Howard was in foul trouble and getting frustrated. He would get ejected. He would uh, commit a flagrant foul in Game 5 as his best game of the series, 24 points, 24 rebounds, and be suspended for Game 6. Rashard Lewis struggled to get going. Andre Miller roasted Rafer Alston. Thaddeus Young was just killing him. If there's one thing the Sixers had, the Sixers ended up being a terrible matchup for the Magic if they weren't going to be able to shoot the ball well. Because the Sixers had the length to match the Magic's length. Thaddeus Young and Andre Iguodala could switch on Hito Turkoglu and Richard Lewis. They had centers they could throw at Dwight Howard. And frankly, you know, I I'm a big Dwight Howard stan. I, I loved him in Orlando, but... He is not someone you dump the ball to and, and let go to work, even against a guy like Samuel D'Alembert and Theo Rat and an aging Theo Ratliff and Reggie Evans. If Elton Brand were playing in that series, I dare say it would have been very, very dangerous for the Orlando Magic. That series was constantly on the knife's edge. But it was still vital. It was still important for the Orlando Magic. It was still important for that team. And I would argue struggling in that first-round series, barely surviving, escaping that first-round series, which it very much felt, felt that way if you watched it. If you watch it back again, the Magic are scraping. They're in control. The Sixers still have to do a lot of things right, 
but they are scraping. They are struggling to be themselves. But the Magic needed all of that. And most importantly, they needed Game 6. With Dwight Howard out, the Magic had to rely on themselves. They had to rely on the role players. They had to rely on people stepping up. Dwight Howard accidentally elbowed Courtney Lee in the face, broke his face, and thrust J.J. Redick into his first real playing time of his career. J.J. Redick delivered with a career game at the time in Game 6. Rashard Lewis took the, took the ball and ran with it, scoring, I believe, it was 25 points without, taking, without making a three-pointer, working that low block, and just dicing up the Sixers' defense. Marcin Gortat played well. Michael Petras played well. The Magic stepped up to the plate in that game six. And all that struggle, all that frustration from the first five games of that series, or really the first four games of that series, because game five of the Magic played pretty well and, and ran away with victory. All the frustration went away. It's exactly what they needed. And... It made them better for the next two rounds. Now you could feel that confidence. If you're watching these games on Fox Sports Florida Thursday, they will air game three and game five. Or sorry, game six of that series. Which game six is probably Dwight Howard's best. Dwight, It's Dwight Howard's second best best game of that series. Dwight is incredible in game six. He, he, he saved the Magic season that night. But game, game three and game six, watch J.J. Redick chasing Ray Allen. Watch how he guards Ray Allen. Seriously. I mean, he, he I wouldn't say he outplays Ray Allen, but he plays him pretty close to a draw. And Redick probably doesn't do that if he doesn't get the confidence that he has from game six of that first round series. Rashard Lewis continued his tear. Michael Petras started getting going. Everyone sort of snapped to attention to win that game six. Everyone had to snap to attention and really commit to a physical brand of defense to keep the Sixers from upsetting them. You want to talk about a what if. You want to talk about something that could have gone disastrously wrong. Now, yes, if Kevin Garnett had played for the Celtics in 2009, I, I don't think the Magic win that series. But the Magic very easily could have lost that series to the Sixers and who knows how we view this team, how we view that group, or what comes next. That is a sliding door. The Magic won that series and gave them a huge boost of confidence. They needed that struggle. It is something that Magic team thrived on. Watch how the Magic play in Game 6, facing elimination for the first time. They play on fire, and then they blow out the Boston Celtics in Game 7 at the TD Garden. Look how they play in Game 3 against the Cavs. Tied series, taking control. Or Game 4 against the Cavs. Game 6 against the Cavs. That Magic team was built on its resilience. They played their best in that sense. And they needed to know that and they needed to learn that early on in the playoffs to make that memorable and historic run. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalay, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr__md. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Be sure also to check out the latest episode of Locked on Fantasy Basketball. On Locked on Fantasy Basketball, they're beginning to dive into uh, player profiles for the NBA draft, fantasy profiles uh, for NBA draft picks. They're looking at James Wiseman on the latest episode of Locked on Fantasy Basketball, so be sure to check that out. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Uh, until next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross from Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.